I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, olive jars and the too muchness of things. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters Podcast. I'm Amy, and this is episode 436, The Olive Jars. There are a couple of copies of this file now called The Real Olive Jars and The Olive Jars Really, because there were gremlins. There were gremlins. And because of the gremlins, which were absolutely my fault, a rookie error that went undetected in my little living room chair, fold up table, pray the house stays quiet and the kids asleep and the heat stays off set up undetected. I was so caught up in the new year wishes, the creative life advocation, and then the forest, the forest that I didn't even notice at the time all of the small talk and all of the happy new year, feel good, start where you are, do something. This is your chance for a creative life. And I hope you're reaching out for that with both hands was in the other show. Episode 435, I had had to break things up for length. That had already disrupted things. And then I discovered the gremlins. This show was picking up a little bit in the gap. All of that other stuff was in the intro, the softness of the second cup of coffee, still wiping the sleep out of my eyes. All of that was in the intro. And then this show was starting right there in the gap after. But now a bit of time has passed before I've been able to return to this. So now I can fill in that gap just a little bit. How was your week? First week of the year, a week back, a week back to work for many of us, a week with days off in the rearview mirror. For me, it was a week that felt blah. That's maybe the wrong word or maybe too mild of a word. But as part of my daily logging, I've been assigning a rating to the day at the end of the day, something that I've often resisted because I end up overthinking it and having trouble reconciling a number, a single concrete number that blends, that summarizes, that encapsulates, that can hold and represent the ups and downs and highs and lows and goods and bads and individual moments that all go together to make a day. Just this one little number. I've always had a hard time understanding how to reduce a day to a number. And I know in my head that the number would be different at 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. and maybe 7 p.m. and probably 10 p.m. I didn't talk to myself about doing it this year. I didn't say, okay, we're going to try this again. I just added it on in, added it to my tracker, and I'm trying to just go with a number. Instinct. Just assign the number and say, yeah, okay, and go on. 
not even question it, not overthink it and see what happens. I'm trying to put that number in at the end of the day, at the end of my work day. That could skew the number. I know that. But I'm hoping that at least some consistent window will make this all balance out. I'm focusing right now just on getting a number. As I entered those numbers this week, I thought of the year in pixels tracking that people sometimes do a colorful recording of mood or energy level or overall life satisfaction. Something can be interpreted in several ways or many ways or an infinite number of ways, however you decide to do it. But it's usually a single box a day corresponding to a color based on a number. And at the end of the year, you have this colorful grid that shows the way your year unfolded in whatever that metric is. Like I said, it's often a ranking or a rating for the day. And I always love those. I love seeing those. I always find them beautiful in the making and in the process and in the end. But being stymied by the number has always stopped me. And I have no idea where a ruler is, which is definitely on my to-do list. I got to find a ruler. But I might enter these numbers in groups. I might set up a page like that this year, but not do it day by day. Log my number separately the way I'm doing right now and go back retroactively and enter the numbers in a grid like that. But this morning, I was making a note in my planner, a planner that gets really gypped these days because of the illustrated journal and hashtag illustrate your week and the whole process of what I'm doing in my other journal, my sketchbook, the big receptacle and holder for everything life and creative for me right now, just that one place I use. My planner calendar, it definitely is a little bit left on the sidelines. And It keeps wanting me to find a way or the energy or a more exciting life so that I could use it the way I always intended, the way I had started a few years ago, and do my Illustrate Your Week in it. That is basically what I was doing. But for now, it's just holding some minor notes. It's a little sad as it looks up at me, but I'm trying to put some notes in at least, some words. And I looked up to a day earlier this week. And I saw that I had written these words, feeling B, feeling B. I looked at it for just a few seconds. And then the week of numbers floated by in my head. Blah. I don't know what interrupted me, but I know that was what I was writing, feeling blah. And it feels really ironic to have had that phrase be cut off, unfinished, to blah, even to finish writing the word blah. I do think sometimes the hype of the new year brings an unexpected low. Maybe not for everyone, but definitely for some of us. The end of the hustle and bustle of the holiday weeks, the softness, maybe the glow, whatever it is that you associate with all of that. And then suddenly the 
bright light, the back to reality, back to the grind days of January. So before this show takes its own turn, I need to deal with the too muchness of the world. The bag of empty jars from that other half of last week's show. There are these olive jars and they are persistent. In November of last year, on one of what turned out to be near daily walks during the pandemic, a point of exercise, which we both need, and human contact, which has been such a challenge for so many people who live alone, especially, my mom and I were talking about simplification. And it means something different to each of us, I think. But in this case, we were pure and simple talking about getting rid of stuff. We jokingly decided we should do a challenge. Get rid of 50 things by Thanksgiving. I think at that point it might have been about three weeks until Thanksgiving. 50 things. It sounds like a kind of big number, except 50 things, especially if you tackle something small, might not be much at all. But it seemed like a good start. And my mom immediately jumped on that. It was only a day or so later that she texted me photos of more than 30 coffee mugs she had weeded out to get rid of. Weirdly, in some crazy Hermione's bag moment, her cabinet still looked full to me. I couldn't even tell where the 30-plus mugs could possibly have been. And of course, that means that there is more weeding out that could be done. But... She patted herself on the back, 30 things gone, and more weeding can happen someday. I know that this year already and last year, I go for days at a time using a single coffee mug. I just rinse it out each morning. And partly, I'm shocked at myself and partly, I don't mind. Every once in a while, when I stand on tiptoes to look in the cabinet, which somehow I can't reach anymore the way I once did, I think randomly, I am so tired of these mugs. Or, I wish I had a new mug. Or, a different mug. Or, a whole bunch of this or that, or something like this person has, or that person. And then, invariably, I grab one of the same ones. One of the same ones from right there in the front. I don't even dig around to whatever else is lurking back there in the recesses of the cabinet. I grab one of the same ones. Most of the mugs in the cabinet never get used. Now, we did narrow down mugs a few years ago. We cleared out a lot. We got rid of a bunch of mugs. We admitted we no longer cared about this or that. We no longer even halfway collect this or that. We regret the boxes of this or that that have been stored unopened in the basement for 25 years. And this or that mug might have been related to this or that thing. And we got rid of the mugs. We narrowed down. There aren't really any mysteries in the cabinet, but the cabinet is still full. If I had to narrow in on the ones I use, I know it's more than I think. 
I did the favorite nine mugs challenge last year, and there are definitely more than nine that I use. In my head, I might think it's less than that, and this discussion makes it even seem less than that, but there are more than nine that I have some level of attachment to. I had too many for that nine grid. Most people probably did. I had too many. I even drew my row of mugs, not a grid, but a row, a line. It had been one of my to-dos for the year. In fact, before the top nine popped up as a thing, became a timely thing. And I did draw my mugs. I had hoped to paint them, but I did draw them. But in the last several weeks, I think I've used a simple black mug, the same one on most days. On a few really cold days, I switched to a stainless steel one, hoping to keep my coffee warm just a bit longer. And then during the holiday week, I used my very favorite Christmas mug, white with a candy cane handle, the sweetest of shapes. Since January 1, I've used an aqua blue stainless mug. The coffee splashes into it like I imagine rain on a tin roof. I'm really content to just rinse the mug in the morning and reuse it. No thought, no decisions, no wishing or wanting or pining or needing. Content. It's even an unusual color for me. It goes with that planner. But every morning, I rinse it out, start my coffee, listen to that splashing noise. Rain on the tin roof. I'm content. It's only when I open the cabinet that I feel a niggle of discontent. Only when I open the cabinet and see all the other ones that are there that I think, oh, I need something else. I wish I had something else. If I keep that cabinet closed and just rinse out the one from the day before, the mug already sitting there, I'm content. It's only when I open the cabinet that I move from just fine with a single mug to feeling whiny, feeling limited, wanting more. There's something to learn there. Full shelves almost always mean that there are things that could be culled, evaluated, simplified. But she did good. 30 or more things out the door. And at that point, I said, well, okay, you need to do 250. 50 won't be enough of a challenge. Go for 250. I, on the other hand, didn't do so well. There's no surprise in that statement. I didn't do so well. I stood more than once in front of certain shelves and tried to see my way clear to purging. For lots of confusing and conflicting reasons, it just really didn't go well. Probably because I never fully joined in. I didn't make it a thing we could track and cheer each other on. The challenge didn't really turn into anything. But I thought about it several times. I wanted to do it. And I thought about my own continued inability to do this. All the things I need to get rid of, and I just don't know how. And yet when I decided last month to crochet those ornaments, those baubles, I went like a miner into my closet space. I really needed goggles and a helmet, a space where it looks like an avalanche has occurred. I was looking for things I knew I had. I was 99.9% certain that back in the very back, 
There is a glass jar, a really big one, one that was painted at some point with paint that you then bake on to make translucent colored jars. Really big jar full of crochet hooks. Getting to that was beyond challenging. I never did see the jar. I was able to feel my way to some of the things in the back. I could feel the top edges spiral around the outer part of a jar. I was looking for things I knew I had. The right size crochet needle and yarns of the sort that I don't typically use, but that I know at one point I had. I looked like a miner when I emerged time and time again for air, for some ranting about all these clothes from all these sizes that I have been back and forth again, ranting, catching my breath. And at the same time, all I could think was, if I had cleared out all of the things I didn't really want or didn't use then or didn't think I would use again along the way, I wouldn't have had what I needed right now. I wouldn't have been able to go into that avalanche to find things to use to even try this idea out. And that's always the catch for me. It's complicated. It is not complicated if you think, oh, I'll just buy it all again. But if that is not or cannot be your mindset, it is complicated. Simplification is complicated, which is counterintuitive in some way. Simplification from the outside has a level of austerity. And of course, I don't have a simplified house or space, not by any stretch. Not a simplified house or space, but I sometimes wonder about a simplified life. And even as I say that, I know the things that keep me up right now that I wake up, I'm worried about, I'm thinking about, I'm constantly trying to get out from under. I know all of that doesn't fit in with this idea even. I wish I had understood simplification at age 20 or maybe 22 when I first started accumulating that avalanche. I can't quite picture a simplified space for myself, really. I'm too far in. I can see it in my mind's eye as this wish, but I can't see the path to getting there. But a simplified life, I do feel somehow like I have been forging that path, like I am on that path, almost in secret. I think people don't really understand that about me. And at the same time, I think it is maybe the most central thing in my life at this point, forging this path, finding it, following it, making it my own, my own way to stay on this path. And yet, we so often worry about what we are leaving behind, giving away, eschewing, pushing aside. I worry that I am missing out on so many things, and that the path I have taken up, the path I seem to be on, the path I seem to be advocating for myself, the path that really ties in, in many ways, to my creative life, this path that I seem to be carving and drawing and mapping is so solitary. And I do worry that is a problem. 
In the moment, I don't worry about that. But looking ahead, I do. It is a path that leads me deeper and deeper into a forest. So deep, I fear that no one will ever be able to find me there. So deeply alone that someday it will be its own undoing. And it will have been my doing. Last year was a weird year. Early in the year before the world turned inside out, there were two moments that stand out, both of which were moments in which I was uncharacteristically in a store setting and at once overwhelmed by the sheer amount of stuff and also convinced that the fact that I was overwhelmed and amazed by all the stuff, by the too muchness of the world, was not a sign that I should run, but a clear sign that I needed to get out more, a sign that I was missing out, that I've lost touch with things that are really important, the things of this world, that all of this too muchness was what everyone else does every day and considers important, considers the way to live. I couldn't imagine how I've ended up this person who would be so taken in by the color and glittery feeling of a space oozing with too much, the too muchness of it all. I felt like someone who had been living in a cave for a very long time and suddenly walked into the hustle and bustle of the real world, this hustle and bustle of overwhelm that everyone takes for granted, takes as necessary The first time was a bookstore after a boy birthday, and we didn't go to look at books. We didn't even look at books, but we had gone out to eat, and he wanted to run into the nearby bookstore and look at playing cards. And of course, bookstores often have huge sections or even entire floors filled with stuff. Entering the too bright space as if from the dark, I numbly wandered the main floor, bombarded by color and the dozens of little things, so many things to want, to think you need, to want to have them all. I would never be able to decide between this or that. I would need them all because how can you choose? I would need this one and that one and in all the colors. How can you choose? It was exciting somehow. It was alive. I left somehow convinced that I've done a disservice to us all. If we lifted ourselves to another location, I wonder if it would all change, if all of that would become the norm again, or if really this path, this path is born out of more than just limitation, that there is something much deeper and truer and more mindful and more rewarding and satisfying in its own way. And the second time was also a bookstore. I was trying to check off something very simple on my 50 before 50 list. Something that really shouldn't have been hard. Something that really shouldn't have been put off. But I really had to work up to it. There was a reason it was on the list and that was part of it. I had to really work up to it. Work up to even going into that store. On the day that I landed in this bookstore, it was after the discovery of the tree full of teapots. I landed in this bookstore with the sense that a book might simply find me. The right book. 
some magical and fortuitous moment in which some book that would make sense at a used bookstore might appear before me. It would surely hover right there in the air, a little bit of glow, an aura, a calling. Okay, well, maybe not all that, but I felt sure that something would appear, that something would make sense, that something would be meaningful and symbolic, that there was a reason it was on this list, and that something would appear that would justify the entire excursion. I thought it might be a book of maps. I always have this sense of finding this book of maps in a dusty used bookstore, but bookstores, used bookstores are not that way. They are not the way they were in my childhood. Used bookstores are often combination, new and used, and very bright, not dusty. I have yet to find a book of maps. As I walked in, right around the corner from the door, I was face to face with the graphic novel section, and I was blown away by the number of books there, the sheer volume of graphic novels I've never heard of. Not the comic book style, but the graphic novels, the illustrated diaries, the personal stories told in cartoon form, the memoirs, so many graphic novels and different from the shelves and shelves of them I pick from over and over again at the library. I stood and looked at the titles in that section. It reinforced so many things for me about the genre. I was so inspired just by standing there and at the same time so overwhelmed by the fact that there is this overflow and this too muchness. And then I did find a book, the book that seemed to be the reason for my visit the book that had something to say to me, something to say to me about what I was doing and what I want to do. I did find the book, unexpectedly a book I had never heard of before. And I left without buying a copy. And somehow that has become a part of the story. It was a part of that moment that day. Wish that wasn't the case, but it was. But the moment made an impact and the feeling of standing there surrounded by so much. It stuck with me. And I've talked about several of the books that I saw that day in shows in the last year. I went home, checked some of those out from the library, and they became shows of their own. But not the other book. Both of these moments made me think that I really do need to get out more. At the time, both of these moments collided, coincided to tell me that. You're withholding the magic of the world from yourself by staying outside of this, by shutting your eyes to this. Simplifying might make some things easier, but you're missing out on living. You're missing out on living. That's what these voices were telling me. That somehow the too muchness is more real even if it makes you anxious, or even if you can't afford it, or even if it just makes you want more and wish for more, somehow it's better. You're missing out on living. I think that was part of the whisper, the narrative that swirled around me. It was a complicated set of feelings, made even more complicated by being in the middle of my 50 before 50 list, which in part contained tasks 
specifically designed to push me out and about more. It was not a list that required buying many things, but it was a list designed to make me explore, to go out and explore. And there was an item on the list about making some form of local contact, some form of local connection, move the tally from basically zero. And then the pandemic hit, of course, months of staying home and overbuying food from online grocery delivery out of fear, fear that things might take a turn and we would really need surplus. We were sheltering in place, yes, But there was also the sense that we were really bunkering in place. None of us knew what it really meant, how it would really go, how much would really continue to run in the background while everything else paused. I was watching other people find it so uncomfortable to be home. I was watching and realizing that the part of my 50 before 50 list that I was putting off until the last possible moment because I didn't think I could really bring myself to actually try and make or find those connections wasn't going to be possible even. And those bookstore moments were a blur. I was back in my stay-at-home life right along with everyone else. I wouldn't have suddenly started going to stores anyway, despite the weird bookstore moments, but 2020 made it something I didn't have to decide the decisions were made for us. Instead, I was forced along with everyone else into certain patterns. I know that others crave a return to their normalcy, their patterns, their path. We all crave certain things that the end of this will bring. But in the day-to-day, I'm content in this stay-at-home life. And when not thrown into glittery big box scenarios where I suddenly feel like I've been living in a cave, I know that the calm and mindfulness I hold on to are possible in part because of things I shut out. I do many of those too much things online. Don't get me wrong. I do have things that I want and want all of. But there is a difference. If I don't open the cabinet, I find that I want less. I find that I'm more content with less or with a simpler way of doing things. 2020 had weird ramifications. The two bookstore moments stand out so clearly to me. I easily can fall into the frenzy of too muchness. With my personal passions, I am always wanting more. And yet moments like this remind me of that. Remind me that really, I want less, not more. In 2020, the house turned into a storage facility. The kitchen cabinets overflowed to fill surfaces in other rooms. The sense of needing to hoard or overbuy, buy too much just in case, continued. And there is a bag of empty glass jars sitting in the floor that I can't seem to let go. Even if I wanted to sort out books or things to get rid of, I don't have anywhere to take them. We have a few random giveaway boxes adding to the clutter on the floor, but there isn't anything to do with them right now. But the bag of jars, that's a holding on that defies logic. One of the things that we have used a lot of in these last 10 months is green olives. 
the real grocery, which feels like days of yore, we would buy this large, round, barrel-like jar, rounder in the middle than the top or bottom, and they would last a while. But ordering online has changed what we can get and what's possible, what's available, and there is a small jar. It tapers down from the top. It's small, close to six ounces. It's cheap, $1.99 for this small jar of green olives. I add them in batches of five or six at a time. When I place my orders, there are several easy foods we eat that use green olives. And this year, so very lazy in some ways, I stopped even chopping them. I throw them in whole. I dump the whole jar in at a time. The kids don't care. I sometimes wonder if they even think about the fact These should have been sliced or chopped. That food really shouldn't be quite this chunky. Chunky. I pop the top. I shrug. I drain the juice. I dump them in whole. We've eaten the same six or seven foods now for an entire year, it seems. And olives are a big part of that. I've stopped washing and saving the jars now. Well, sort of. I think I saved two last week. But I haven't thrown out the bag of them. Lots of people collect fruit stickers. And I did that for a long time. I would take them off and stick them on jars I kept in the kitchen. I loved those two little jars. One tall skinny jar and another small round jar. I loved those jars covered in these little fruit stickers. They never fully stuck though. They never fully flattened and stuck nicely. They got a little bit gross That's finally what got to me. They got a little bit gross. They were a little bit crinkly. They stuck out. And after a very long time, I thought, why am I doing this? And I threw them out. And I wished I had kept them. Every time now I peel a sticker, I think I should do it again. And then I notice the little bits of tomato or whatever on the back of the sticker and think, no, no, it's going to be gross but I wished I had kept them. I wished I had brushed the jar with an acrylic of some form that would have set them, held them in place. I always wish that. Every time I take the label off a tomato, I think about those jars and then I throw it away. It is too easy for me to keep everything. These jars, they have become a pandemic marker. I was washing them, running them through the dishwasher, and then just moving them to the table. I knew somehow they were a marker for me of these days. And I said at one point that I would hold the jars until the pandemic ended. And that way I'd have a count. I would have something, some anchor on which to understand this year. What a strange anchor, olive jars. The jars took over the table. There were complaints about the jars. Why are you keeping these jars? Do we have to keep keeping these jars? And then I needed to clean up the table. I moved them all into a bag. I thought, okay, this is silly. I did a small drawing of a few of these jars months ago. I want to do that again. I want to draw these jars in a pyramid, in a grid, in a cluster. I am sure there are ways to make a cabinet or a table out of all of these jars. I am positive. I am convinced if I had other tools and other equipment and things, I believe I could make all kinds of things out of jars. I've moved the lids to a separate bag. 
Maybe at some point I can dump the jars and keep the lids and make those into something. Connect them at some point. Someday, maybe power tools will be an interest or glue. I thought by moving the jars to a bag and putting it near the door, I could do it. That I could carry them out on Thursday night when we put the trash out. But I haven't yet. They're still there. I actually liked it better when they were on the table. I somehow know that as soon as I let them go, I will feel the loss. The loss of this simple and inane touchstone. Their reality. Their meaning in this year, in this past year. I thought with January 1, I could put them out. I said to myself, okay, you kept them all this time. Let them go. And yet, they still sit there. Every now and again, something bumps into them. They jangle. They make the sound of dozens of glass jars clanking together. There are other things I have kept for years and years, afraid that dumping them will be something I regret. Other people often collect similar things, and then they turn them into something amazing. And I always think, see, I should have kept them. And yet we cannot hold on to everything. I will let them go. And when I do, I hope you don't tell me a story about the bag of jars you have saved for years and years. I hope you don't tell me you have 500 jars somewhere and that you're going to do something amazing. I do have other jars all over the house with pens and pencils in them. And periodically I do try and throw some out. But don't tell me about the fact that you succeeded in holding on to hundreds of jars. Instead, tell me it was good to let them go. No one needs a bag of olive jars. Let's mark our days and weeks in other ways, with drawings and sketches and quotes and notations that give us anchors and inroads, footholds and markers, signposts along the way. I do hope your year has gotten off to a good start, a good first week in ways you could control, could manage, that you have found ways to balance, stay calm, breathe deeply, stay mindful in a week that had many points of unrest and chaos and there just are no words. I do have a running list, a lengthy list of things to do but I feel like the year almost rolled right on into the next. Maybe we have exhaled and maybe we are still holding our breath, but we know the glimmers of change are already in process. You've done a good job holding on, finding patterns and ways to stay balanced, to stay creative. Keep on keeping on. Keep doing these things. Keep finding these ways. Keep honoring your creative patterns your margins, if they are margins like mine. Keep giving those space and voice. They will continue to grow. I am the art. The art is me. And that is it for today. A long show. One of those... One of those shows. It is one of those shows. So I appreciate you listening. If you made it this far... I really appreciate it. Things always have a way of coming together in full circle, even when they don't seem related. And those kinds of patterns, I'm all about that. As always, I'm Amy, 
and you can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. The show notes are on the creativitymatterspodcast.com website. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Heidlis. You can find me at Instagram as oamyoamy, and all the things about Illustrate Your Week are at Creativity Matters Podcast. So I hope you will follow in both places, and I hope you will also consider following at YouTube. Thank you to those of you who support the show in any way. I see everyone talking about all of the new things they are buying and all of the classes they are signing up for in this new year. Thank you to those of you who support the CMP, especially to those of you at Patreon, patreon.com slash creativity matters. Until next time, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. Some of you are still here because I mentioned a word, and so we do need to throw in a word. We are going to throw in the simplest word because it is sitting here. Let's go with eraser. Eraser. So, don't forget to breathe, and have a good week, everyone. Bye.